0: This podcast is brought to you by Bruneracademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking presentation storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit Bruneracademy.com. Who would have thought that a Disney movie would unlock a woman into helping her find her own voice? her message, and in many respects, stop trying to be so perfect. And that's exactly what happened to my guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz. Andrea Joy Wenberg is a strategist, speaker, CEO, and founder of Voice of Influence and author of the book Unfrozen. Stop holding back and release the real you. Andrea, welcome to my podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Liz. It's great to be here.
0: The Disney movie Frozen, you say, changed your life. Take us through that experience because you describe watching this movie as completely undoing you.
1: (laughs) Well, it it sort of came at the right time for me. I'd been feeling kind of locked inside as Mm -hmm. though uh, the gifts, the, the things that I was thinking about, my expertise felt like they were locked inside of me and I didn't really have a means for expression. Mm. And when I went to this movie, I had two little kids that were about the ages of little Anna and Elsa. At the beginning of the movie, they are probably around four and six years old. And, and that's how old my kids were. And and there were just so many things at the beginning. That I, well, I, I, I was surprised. I didn't know it would be a musical. And <laughs> I love musicals. Mm. I love to sing. There were just so many things that kind of came together to set me up for feeling like I could resonate with the movie, Mm. and I could see myself in it. And by the end of the movie, I felt permission, essentially, to move forward and to do whatever it took to kind of unlock what was feeling locked up inside.
0: That's such a beautiful word of giving yourself permission. It sounds like in in some respects, the movie reminded you of who you were and who you could be.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. It kind of reminded me of some of my story. And I felt quite a bit like Elsa, the, the main character who she's pretty sensitive and intense emotionally inside. And in that intensity, that emotion would come out in the form of ice in her hands. So her self-expression would come out and be evident for the whole world to see and that ice would take shape in different ways based on what was going on inside of her. Mm -hmm. I could so resonate with the intensity of emotion. Mm -hmm. I was seeing myself and, and especially I would say in my parenting as a mom of young kids, I was seeing how my reactions to them and the way that I was with them was really dependent on how I was feeling inside. Wow. What I find so interesting
0: too, though, is besides what was connecting and resonating for you on the inside, it eventually, watching this movie, led you to write your memoir, which is the book that I mentioned, Unfrozen, Stop Holding Back and Release the Real You. So the movie propels you to do this, and you just talked about having that voice trapped inside and wanting to let it out. So how did writing the book actually help you find your voice and let it out?
1: Writing the book came, you know, it was about a year after watching the movie that I felt like I could finally put into words the way that the movie had made me feel. And I just did that in the form of a blog post. By sending that blog post out into the world, it was just something like frozen top 10 reasons why I like the movie Frozen or something like this. By the time I was able to get that out and I actually press send on that button, It was a huge thing for me to step out and say, I have something to say, Mm -hmm. and I am not asking your permission anymore. I am taking the permission that I've given myself, that I feel like I have, and I am going to start sharing myself in a way that is more courageous and clear, perhaps, by just pushing send on that blog post (laughs) and then continuing to (laughs) blog and then putting myself out there more and more in a public way. By the time I got to writing the book, I'd been through a lot of putting little pieces of myself out into the world and realizing that those were kind of resonating. Mm-hmm. That it's okay, and my family's still okay. I'm still okay. <laughs> nobody's dying. It's <laughs> exactly we're right. Be okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. And if I do send this out into the world, maybe some other people will be able to feel like they can use their voice in a in a bigger way too. And so. It was probably that first blog post that really kind of set things in motion as far as, okay, here we go.
0: Here we go. And it's such a scary thing to do. And I've read the book Unfrozen and you write about how you didn't even realize that you were hiding the real you and all of these efforts to grow in your ability to be real and take personal risks scared you to death. I think it Mm -hmm. scares
1: all of us, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it really did scare me to think about, you know, sharing my real self, I, even though I wanted to be authentic. Yes. I've, I've always been super, like, I want to be relatable. But at the same time, I wanted to be good and strong and confident. Mm-hmm. I thought, really, if I could be good and strong and competent, then people will listen to me and I will actually have a voice in the world. I will have influence. I will be, feel more connected to people because they'll respect me. But what I was finding was that the more that I was trying to be those things, good, Mm -hmm. strong and competent, it was almost like I guess I described it as hiding behind a pane of glass. Like I was looking Mm -hmm. at the world through a pane of glass because by trying to be something specific, I couldn't be who I really was. I couldn't acknowledge the vulnerabilities that I really did have that made it difficult to actually connect with people. What I'm hearing you
0: say, and it it resonates to something that I remember reading in the book, you believed that you were too much for others because you were too deep, you were too intense, you were too sensitive, and you even wondered if God had made a mistake in you because you, you thought things through so
1: much. How does that feel today for you? So I grew up in a religious tradition, and that really shaped The way that I was thinking about myself and myself in the world. Of course, it did. It does for everybody. Any kind of whatever you grow up with, it's going to make a huge impact on the way that you see yourself and and how you fit into the world. So, for a while then, after writing the book, I really kind of pulled back from trying to engage in that area of my life and my spiritual life, trying to pull back from the culture that I grew up in because I needed to figure out what it was exactly that I actually still. Really felt like I wanted to speak to who do I really think that I am? And outside of the culture lately, I've actually been re-diving into what was that? What what was the whole picture that I grew up in? And and how does that look for me now? To speak into that now, I'm really actually kind of trying to figure that out. I I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I know that as a woman who feels a sense of responsibility to share my insights, to share what I'm seeing, but not just to share it. I also feel a responsibility to listen. Mm -hmm. I really believe that influence is, is not something that is a a one way impact. When it's healthy, it's, it's a something we share with one another. We share influence with one another. I'm really struggling currently, actually, to try to figure out how I want to interact with that, I guess. It sounds like
0: you're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle of who you are, I don't want to say back together again, but maybe together in a new way. From what I read in the book, you're such a thinker, and, and I can relate to that because people tell me all the time, Liz, you overthink everything. <laughs> but that, that puts a lot of pressure on ourselves when we do that, and it sounds like you're kind of revisiting that. That's what I'm hearing you say a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I think in particular in the, the realm of spirituality and the culture that I grew up in, and sure. what is my culture? What do I want to maintain of that? What do I want to impact moving forward in the future that would make it more healthy. Unfrozen came out actually about five years ago. And so I've been really thinking back about what I've learned since then. And one of the things that I've realized is that credibility has been a really, really big thing for me. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be credible. Mm -hmm. I think that when I was growing up, I was in an environment where only the men Truly had credibility to speak into the like church environment that I was growing up in, and that was the main thing that I was concerned about Uh in my world. Men had the credibility, and women did not, and just inherently because we were women, right? That did not feel good, I can tell you that. It also made me confused. I talk about this in the book. I always wanted the approval of the most respected man in the room. Mm -hmm. Now I'm realizing more and more that really I was, I was trying to borrow their credibility. I wanted my own credibility for my voice, but I couldn't get it. I knew I couldn't achieve it on my own because I was a woman. So I needed the approval of the, the most respected man in the room because that would give credibility to my voice. And then anything that I would say might actually have an impact. But it wouldn't without their credibility. What
0: I also am remembering from the book, and this, I believe, would probably have had a profound impact on that approach and philosophy and thinking that you had. And it came from your grandmother telling you that you don't want boys to think you're smarter than they are.
1: Yep. Wow. I was actually going to seminary and she was like, well, you know, she was so wonderful. I love my grandmother for so many reasons. (laughs) But, you know, this was her reality too. Yeah. If you show up in the classroom and you answer all the questions, then you're not going to find a husband. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially is what that came down to. Oh my gosh. You have to hold back. I think there's wisdom in, in like, well, sure, we need to listen to other people. We shouldn't make our voice be the only voice that's heard. But we also don't need to hold back in the sense of, I don't want to share my voice at all. I don't want to share too much because I'm trying to look for the approval of others. There's a difference. Right. Definitely a message I heard and I was like, oh, shoot. (laughs) And
0: I really thought that that was probably true. Well, I imagine there are a lot of women who probably grew up with that thinking too. In the book, what I think is so important and want people to come away with is the authenticity that you've shared. I mean, you revealed the struggles of dating, motherhood, marriage, and almost the unexpected disappointments that you had that led to sort of anxiety and depression and wanting to be a perfect mother and and having this inner dialogue in your head that somehow you were failing your family. And I think a lot of parents can relate to that, men and women, that they feel Mm -hmm. like because they're trying, you know, I'm at work and I should be at home or I'm at home and I should be at work. I mean, All those things play into those dialogues that go on in our heads. You mentioned a moment ago about being in seminary, and I know that your faith and your music have played huge roles in your life. And you got your master's in counseling ministry. What did you hope you were going to do with that degree initially?
1: (laughs) That's a great, great question, because I actually went to seminary with all these questions in my head. And I was like, okay, how do I get out of here with the least amount of debt (laughs) and the most amount of whatever I want to learn. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I actually just like went to the course book and I marked all the courses that I really wanted to take that looked interesting to me that would help satisfy some of these questions that I had burning inside. Then how do I take these and turn them into a degree? And oh, looks like it fits counseling ministries. (laughs) We'll go with that one. We'll go that route. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so I, I really didn't know. There was a point at which I realized I wanted to write and speak Mm -hmm. have some sort of impact. I think at the beginning of seminary, my hope was to find out the best way to live so that I could share that with everybody else and solve all their problems. (laughs) And solve everybody's problems. Because even growing up, people were
0: coming to you. You were sort of the counselor to a lot of your friends (laughs) growing up and in in high
1: school, as well as in
0: I fancied
1: myself that way. anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's the case, but it sure seemed like that to me. And And yeah, I wanted to be that person. Yeah. But by the end of seminary, I had way more questions than I had answers. I had a nuanced view of all of these theological questions that I'd had. I wanted to come out with my final answers so I could move on with my life. Instead, I came out with more questions and more ambiguity and yet probably a much more healthy sense of, what it means to be human mm-hmm. and how to connect with real humans and with God. And so what I wanted to do with that, well, gosh, I didn't know. I, <laughs> I actually went to a like, kind of a guidance counselor kind of person in graduate school. They said, well, what do you want to do? And this is towards the end and of my degree. And I said, I, I don't know. I probably work in a church maybe or I'm not exactly sure. And he said, well, you're going to have to move denominations. Because
0: the (laughs) denomination
1: that you're in is not going to hire you to do what you want to do. And I thought, oh my gosh, I am stuck. I'm not going to have a a way to get out of this and I'm not going to have a job, really. I mean, I I felt like a personal win to have Mm -hmm. gone through this experience, but in terms of what I was going to do with it, I had no idea. And I actually went back to teaching for two more years before I got married, had kids, didn't do anything for a while. I mean, I was just lost with what to do with myself.
0: Wow. I see your book in many respects as a love story. It's about Mm -hmm. your love of God and faith It's a love story about you and your husband, Aaron, which you say took 12 years to find that you guys do fit together. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also a love story about how you learned to love yourself.
1: Does that resonate for you? Mm, I certainly resonate with the first two and the learning to love myself piece of it. I think probably what I would say is I'm probably learning to love myself more. Mm. Maybe at that point, it was almost just to be okay with who I am. I think part of it was I was confident in who I was in a sense, but I didn't, like I said before, didn't feel like I had the credibility to do anything with it. Mm -hmm. So it just felt frustrating. I Mm -hmm. had no agency with my voice. Mm -hmm. I couldn't make something happen. In terms of, you know, being in on a broader conversation about life and some of these existential kind of questions about influence and the meaning of life and how we move in the world and whatever, I, I didn't feel like I was getting that out, but coming to terms maybe with at least my own limitations and starting to feel like maybe it was, there was something more for me and it would be okay for me to move forward. Maybe, yeah, maybe love is in there.
0: (laughs) Well, you certainly have moved forward because in finding your own voice, it's inspired you to help others find their voice. And in many respects, that's the mission behind your consulting and coaching firm, Voice of Influence, and your podcast by the same name. Why is it so important to you to help other people find their voice? And what does that mean to you?
1: Number one, I I knew what it meant for me personally. I saw that need in myself. And then I thought, what if I could get that out into the world? And I realized that I really cared about people connecting their expertise with the need that's in the world. I was seeing People who were really smart or had great experiences that could speak into things and then they weren't speaking into them or they didn't have a a means by which their voice could make an impact. I think I also saw in myself that I cared about a lot of different issues, Mm -hmm. but that I was not a specialist in any of those issues. I was not going to be the person who would save climate, the climate change you know problem. <laughs> I was not going to be the person who was going to solve all the problems of gender equality and but what I did know about myself is that I was really good at helping people to find their own inner voice and then how they could express that in the world. If I help other people who are specialists find their voice and be able to use it, then I am affecting climate change. Then I am affecting gender equality in the world. Then I am affecting all these other things. And it's not because I have a specialization in those things. It's because I'm just supporting those who are doing the work. At this point, I want to build a business that's sustainable, that is propelling this message, hopefully impacting people individually on the kind of thought leadership side with the podcast and book, but then also corporately in groups where There are plenty of leaders that are trying to make change, that they really believe in something or there's something that they they really know needs to happen, but they're not quite sure how to make it happen. And I can help them make it happen. I know about influence and I know about strategy and I can, you know, sort of help them put those pieces together, get the buy-in that they need to move an initiative forward. Well, what I love on your website is you say that
0: voice equals choice. And people can't buy into your ideas until they believe you, until you say what matters. And I I really like that. It sounds like, Andrea, you've learned so much about yourself, not only in writing the book, but also in working with other people, helping them find their voices. How has all of this translated into you living your best life right now?
1: I think that part of it is just recognizing that it's all a journey, that living one's best life is not a a destination that I've reached, but that there is a continual process and that that process is something to be enjoyed. Even the pain, even the the frustration, that those things are things that actually propel us forward. I don't feel like I've arrived in that sense of... (laughs) you know, there's lots of things I'm frustrated about still, but I've recognized that the frustration is an indication of my direction that I should be taking. So if I'm frustrated about something, then that indicates that, that maybe I'm being called to do something. The musical Hamilton, there's a line that I will never be satisfied. Right, <laughs> I I, right. I think I've definitely found I will never be satisfied. But in that sense of I'm continually going to be moving forward and continually going to be trying to figure out the next thing that I'm supposed to or that I feel called to do, that I feel a sense of purpose and, and meaning and doing and helping people to do. And so when I've been able to see people actually use their voice in an environment where it really does make a difference and it's healthy, I'm feeling pretty good about where I'm at.
0: Awesome. If you'd like to learn more about Andrea, her firm and her podcast, Voice of Influence, and her book, Unfrozen, just go to voiceofinfluence.net. Again, that's voiceofinfluence.net. Andrea, thank you so much for sharing with all of us how important it is for us to release our true, authentic voices and that that really is a part of us living our best life.
1: Thank you so much, Liz. I appreciate it.
0: And thanks to all of you who are listening. May all of you find ways to explore and express your true voice. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out Fast Twitch Media dot space.